What's going on? Welcome to the AM Basketball Breakdown, where we talk everything hoops early in the morning. I'm your host, Adam Miller. It's time to hit the hardwood, so let's tip off this episode. I am generally thrilled about this week's conversation. This week, we have a special guest joining us on the podcast, none other than my brother-in-law, Eric P. Bowen. We'll be delving into his passion for the game of basketball, and more specifically, exploring the greatness of his all-time favorite player, the legendary Dirk Nowitzki. Now, I know Dirk doesn't always get the recognition he truly deserves in the NBA's all-time hierarchy. Despite being a 14-time All-Star, four-time first-team All-NBA, and earning both MVP and Finals MVP, his impact sometimes flies under the radar. And let's not forget that iconic one-legged fadeaway that has become etched in the history of the game. I'm really eager to hear Eric's perspective on Dirk as a player and reflect on his remarkable career. It's bound to be an insightful and engaging discussion. So, without further ado, let's dive into the paint with our special guest, Eric Bowen. All right, for today we have a member of Kokomo High School's runner-up 4A state championship team in 2011, a four-year player at Grace College where he was one of the nation's leading rebounders. Eric Bowen, my brother-in-law, welcome to the show. Bill? A.K.A. brother-in-law, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here uh, and, and talk about uh, a very special player to me and to a lot of other people and uh, just to the game of basketball in general. So thanks for having me on today. Yeah, no problem. I figured if I was going to start a show, uh, it might be bad on my end if you're not the first actual guest. But yeah, as you had said, um, we're going to talk about your favorite player, maybe a player that a lot of people in league history kind of sleep on and honestly for the show I want when I have guests on to kind of have a conversation um, of just enjoying either moments players or other things just about the game of basketball so I figured you were the right person to have on to talk about Dirk Nowitzki Nowitzki I hear different pronunciations what what is the actual pronunciation for Dirk uh, so it is Dirk Nowitzki, I think, uh, the American way to say it, because it looks like it's Nowitzki. Um, oh, but I think, it's an American I think it's thing. A, I, yeah. be- I believe, I believe that is, that is true. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's our fault. All right. Well, just kind of, as I've been preparing for this podcast, I've looked at Dirk's career kind of in four different windows. We obviously have his rookie year, his rookie season, um, the middle parts of his year, and probably the defining part of his year, his championship run for his first and only NBA title. But yeah, let's go ahead and start at the beginning for Dirk. Um, Yeah, just his pre-draft process. He was a very unknown European star. I was reading about this the other day, and I believe leading up to the draft in 1998, he had 33 points and 14 rebounds in the 1998 Nike Hoop Summit, a game, honestly, that not a lot of people expected the international team to win against Team USA, but they won, and Dirk was the most impactful player of the game. One person that was actually there was Don Nelson. Um, the current coach and GM at the time, 
and he made him a promise that he would draft him. But even then, Dirk's initial draft selection was met with a lot of boos. There was a lot of, say, skepticism um, that was met very early on in his career. Just wondering, just from your knowledge of the player, how did fans in the basketball community react to Dirk's rookie season? And just looking at his rookie year as a whole, what do you believe were some defining moments from his rookie season that helped change the public's opinion about him? Yeah, I think I'll even start this, uh, just going back to what you were talking about with the pre-draft process. Um, At that point in time, if you think back on it, internationals, especially now in the past few years, obviously that we've had Giannis, Jokic, Luka, like now they're almost arguably the top players in the league. At this at this time when Dirk was was being drafted, there wasn't there were definitely some players that were talented before him, but there were no bona fide, really consistent, I should say, superstars um, in the league. And what a lot of the GMs and people thought or what some people were trying to say was he was the Larry Bird. And that's what they were. That was the first initial reaction. Um, And even then, obviously, that's very high praise. I don't think a lot of teams really still believe that um but i was glad you brought up that nike game because that really was the game where he probably was officially no matter what don nelson said and obviously luckily he ended up with the dallas mavericks um at the end of it he didn't get drafted by them um which we might talk about a little bit but he did um get um a lot of booze and he wasn't he wasn't really known and this Mm -hmm. nike game this nike game he had an unreal performance and honestly if it wasn't for his performance in that game from my understanding and my reading obviously i was two years old when this was going on but from what i've heard what i've heard and read he probably would have been like late first maybe like even even later possibly um this game was kind of his coming out party per se um and obviously, he beat the um, the the USA team, who had a lot of talent uh, around it. Um, it was funny enough in this draft too. The the best two players, and it's really not even close. It's kind of two tiers, and there's only one player in each. Dirk is is the best player from this draft, and then Paul Pierce, and they both went nine and ten in this draft back to back. Right, um, I forgot that was Paul Pierce's draft too. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, overall, you would probably say it didn't have the superstar power because like I said obviously Dirk top 10 scorer of all time hall of famer he has all the accolades Paul Pierce will probably end up being in um that that special group as well but then after that it's really I don't want to say no names but it's not the names that you would you would really think of um so yeah and then going on to when he got drafted and into his rookie season like I said I think just the perception of international players at that time in general um and especially with the with the way this kid looked, you know, back in the day, he had the shaggy hair. He was a very skinny dude from Germany. Like at that point in time, did he have fair, a bowl cut too? I thought I was looking at pictures. He had kind of like a bowl cut as well, yeah, kind of like a coconut oh, yeah. head a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, Dirk had. Uh, he went through the phases of the haircuts. He was okay. he was all over. He was all over the place. Honestly, he had his awkward um, middle school phase, right in the probably most important moment of his life, getting drafted for the NBA. 
he did he did and then he had like a full-on like shaggy from scooby-doo haircut going on in his run kind of kind of from 06 to to 11 um so yeah his hair was it probably it wasn't talked about much but it was definitely uh it's funny to look back on now for sure so but yeah i think like i said as far as the moments in his rookie season he definitely had a ton of ups and downs um and an interesting tidbit that i found out about that too and i think everyone knows that Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki had a have a good relationship and are very close now to this day but right. what I've what I've heard and what I've seen too is honestly Steve Nash was the reason Dirk made it through his rookie season um I think there was a lot of poor times for Dirk whether it was performance wise whether it was just getting used to the American culture obviously you have very heartful is that the word he did fans, heartful fans that love the franchise. But if you if you miss one shot too many, you're going to be the worst thing on the earth for that game for that week. Um, and I think Dirk was the kind of guy that would just sit in his apartment, house, wherever he would be, and try to stay to himself. Um, but but Steve Nash was always the one to come and get him, and really was that mentor. And like I said, like was possibly the reason that Dirk lasted in the NBA and was able to ultimately become who he is now. And um, if it wasn't for Steve, who knows, <laughs> who knows where we would be. So it's kind of crazy that um, we have to remember too, that these, these NBA players, they are humans. And especially when you're coming from a different country, it's not just the easiest thing to, uh, whether you're playing good or bad. Um, it, it takes, it takes people around you as well to, to be able to acclimate and, and to be successful. No, that makes, that makes sense a lot. I know, from Steve Nash, he had a really productive career at Santa Clara. So it, it probably helped in a way to where you had this player come to the league that probably a lot of American fans already knew about and were aware of. And he was able to vouch for this guy and be like, no, this guy's legit. Like you just need to give him time to kind of adjust the speed of the game and kind of just get used to a completely um different lifestyle. One thing I was thinking about as well, um, just as we were preparing for this podcast this week, you look at like today's NBA draft and just the draft process overall, when you kind of have one of these, not saying like Dirk was maybe like this at the time, but a lot of people already know about these European players right away just because of the just current age we're at right now in social media. Do you like, what parallels do you see for that? Just in like comparing that 98 draft to now, like would Dirk have had as maybe as bad of a reception starting out with when he got drafted versus like, if he would have gotten just drafted today? Oh, I think it would be not completely different, but it would not be the same amount of booze, I don't think. Um, but then again, if we remember when Christoph Porzingis got drafted, which was just what? How long ago you would know being twenty sixteen? So like seven years ago. Seven years ago, and of course, given he was going to the New York Knicks, and you know Knicks fans are they're a wild group, and they were pulling out the Tingus Pingus and all that nonsense so it could have been that bad it could have been that bad depending on what franchise he got drafted to overall though i think like you said we know so much more now Um, right i think i think we would have saw a lot more of dirk in live action whether that was in the olympics whether that was in 
just friendly games. I don't know. You, you, you know how it is. I think, and especially as well with the success, like I was talking about a little bit earlier when I started, um, obviously the internationals are getting a better perception now because you have dudes coming over that are legit now, like locked in top five players in the NBA. So right. that obviously is going to help. And um, with, with success is going to come more trust and more confidence and similar, similar type players. Yeah, definitely. Let's fast forward a little bit. So Dirk at this point past his rookie year has had a few all-star selections. His buddy, Steve Nash, um, got traded to the Phoenix Suns in the meantime, but they were able to just remember this. They were able to co-star and like Mike together. So they had to have that opportunity as well, but let's actually go to um, the 2006 NBA finals. This is kind of the, I'd say like the middle point of Dirk's career. And I think it's a very important moment in his career. And we'll get to this more later in kind of one of our last segments, but the Mavericks actually started off in the series up to a lot of people probably believed that they were the runaway favorites at this time, having a two Oh lead in the finals to end up winning the championship. Dirk, a young star, getting his first title at this point would have been a really big deal. But Dwayne Wade, he went on probably, I would say if you look at the numbers, it's up there with some of Jordan's best performances in the finals. Um, And yeah, the Miami Heat, they won four straight games and won the finals. But I'm wondering if if you're back in time in like 2006, how do you think this finals, the 2006 finals at the time would have affected Dirk's legacy. You saying if he would have won it or just in general, just with the outcome. In general, I think him losing as well, just what he built up in his career to that point. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I don't think anyone probably expected him to be there in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm getting getting there in general was a huge deal i think also if we're looking fast forward and i'm sure obviously we'll get to 2011 but with without 2006 i don't think 2011 happens to be honest i think dirk did the growing in 2006 um and then obviously that follow-up season in 2007 which i'm sure we'll hit on a little bit as well um with what happened there those losses and going through those situations built Dirk up so much more, built his fire to want that championship so much more to be one of the best ever, gave him more motivation. And then you just, like, I mean, it's a, it's a simple thing, but you learn more in losses and trials and struggles than you do in wins. So if you really want it bad enough, you're going to find what, needs to be fixed what can be done differently what can be done better and Dirk was never the guy that was going to be like hey I and given the end of his career was kind of when the super teams started to become a thing but he was never going to be the guy that was like demanding that Mm -hmm. you go and get you go and get me this all-star this all-star and we'll get it done Dirk was the guy that was going to remain loyal was going to do what it took and figure out who was around him and obviously Rick Carlisle had a big that time that big uh 
impact as well. And even Avery Johnson, who was their coach in 2006, um, they they put a lot into him as well, and, and they believed in him. And I think ultimately the belief got him to the situation in 2006. And then after that, I think Dirk's confidence just continued to rise. And just being up 2-0 um, made him feel you, – you felt it a little bit. I feel like when you're up 2-0 in a series, you're – and maybe in that situation, they got ahead of themselves a little bit. Probably um, being too comfortable, too. Yep, yeah. exactly. And, and and having guys that haven't been there before. Um, but then, like I said, it goes uh, – it comes back later on, and and, and it all paid off. And, and, and a side note, and this is just as a Mavs fan, but I, but the Mavs were playing eight on five for a good portion of that series. I think if you look at it, Dwayne Wade shot an absurd amount of free throws uh, – in that 06 finals, but that, that's just my, that's just my heavy fandom side okay. comment. So own biased opinion. I'll, I'll take that with a grain of salt, For but sure. yeah, it's interesting how you put that with just him, maybe not actually being expected to win at that point and kind of just using that just as a catalyst to, I think in general with anyone in life, like learning from your mistakes and trying to, kind of put together an action plan to make that like better and more improved the next time you have an opportunity um, for him to win another title. But yeah, let's fast forward to the following season, fresh off a finals loss, Dirk and the Mavs, they were on a mission that year. Dirk, he finished the season with just under 25 points, just under nine rebounds, shot 41% from three, won the MVP that year, and the Mavericks finished with a record of 67-15. and 15. But we all know what comes next. All us NBA fans, all of us that pay attention to NBA history, the Mavericks, they became just the third first-seeded team to lose in the first round. They lost in six games to the We Believe Warriors. I remember when this series was going on, we obviously didn't know each other at the time, but I just remember from being a casual fan and not necessarily seeing this happen live before in my lifetime, how crazy it was that a team that did this well in the regular season that had a player of this caliber lost in the way that they did in the first round. And that honestly, that would have been the 2007 NBA Finals. So that would have been Spurs and Cavs, and it kind of just messed up everything that year um for the spurs maybe to not saying that they didn't deserve it but like kind of having a clear runway to the finals at that point but yeah the mavericks becoming just the third seeded third first seeded team to lose in the first round um yeah just looking back on that in hindsight does this go back to your point of earlier kind of just lighting a fire under dirk and learning from his mistakes would you say that's similar or was there any difference in how this 2007 first round loss impacted his legacy and what additional do you think it created? Do you think it created added pressure for him or motivation for him in the season that followed? Yeah, I would say the biggest difference between talking 06 and 07, like I said, 06, they weren't supposed to be there. Um, 07, they they were definitely supposed to win the first round series. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, at that time, I mean, I'm not sure if you had 
call it consideration for one of the best regular seasons ever, but it was definitely an impressive run. Um, mm -hmm. Dirk at that point, and obviously from that 05 up to 0 or to 05 to what 11, 12, like there were moments when Dirk was a guy in the NBA that you just gave the ball to and you couldn't guard him. Right. Um, so when you have a player of that caliber, you're you're not expecting to to lose a game. And and honestly, that I would have been what 11, and I have like small memories of that series. I don't honestly remember the whole thing. Um, Captivate. I just remember Baron Davis and um, players, players of that nature. Who mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying we're bad players, but obviously we're not on that level. I think in that series, to be exact, I think the Warriors, like I said, they they played just together a lot better. And I don't want to get this. Obviously, this is not a Warriors Warriors podcast, but putting it in Dirk's perspective, I think it probably was the. So I'll say it like this. It was one of the highest points in his career outside of being in the finals as far as winning the MVP, mm -hmm. leading one of the best teams in the NBA. Right. To, Im to immediately go into one of his worst. Um, not that it was to be compared to his rookie season, but in the sense of that just rookie year struggled, very, I don't know, I'm say maybe depressed at times, frustrated. He probably had a lot of those similar feelings after this 07. Um, situation and like i said it only motivated him more um and yes they went and got a few different pieces but once again like i said it wasn't like they were turning to other all-stars to come and fix this um it, a new head coach did come in which obviously i think played a difference but dirk had the same aspiration he knew he could get back there he was capable of doing it. He just wanted guys around him that believed and believed in him. And the Mavericks ended up putting together great pieces around him a few years later, and it all paid off. So, obviously, did we want 06 and 07 to happen the way it did? I mean, of course not. We we don't, we want our teams to Right. To we want beat. our teams to win. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's as simple as that. But I think – it's hard to imagine like a different path for Dirk and there's always what ifs. So I try to stay away from what ifs. So I think that was the way it was supposed to be. And it ultimately paid off because I think Dirk had the right mindset. Mark Cuban had the right mindset and they wanted to, they wanted to keep this thing going and believe in the group they had. And they kept that belief in Dirk um, even after obviously a huge, a huge upset. Yeah, definitely. And kind of, Fast forwarding to your um, point and comment of it paying off eventually, we get to the 2011 NBA Finals. At this time, this would have been the first year of the not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Miami Heat, the big three, all together, Wade, Bosch, and LeBron James. They were the clear favorites at the time. The Mavericks came into that series as the three seed in the West. No one really expected them to win, maybe even to compete. Miami won that first game. And I remember during the series, because obviously the Celtics still had their core intact and there was sort of this new regime coming in and stopping that. And of course, what you said earlier, we want our teams to win. 
And I just remember rooting for the Mavericks really hard, watching game two, and just being like, I think I went to bed and was like, at this point, I I, I feel like it's, honestly, two games in, I feel like it's over. But the Mavericks, game two, it's often remembered for their comeback victory, led by Dirk going on a 22-5 to run to win the game. Can you talk through just his performance in that game specifically and just its impact overall in the series? Because Miami, they were going to go up 2 nothing, And at that time, the series format would have been 2-3-2. So you figure, okay, we win one game in Dallas. We just win the last game, game six at home. But yeah, just want to talk, talk through that about Dirk's performance during that game and just its impact just on the overall series at hand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a huge, uh, a huge game. Obviously, I think first off, the Heat started off the game incredibly hot. Um, they they were playing really well. I think they they obviously didn't have an issue playing with confidence. Um, they had they had the guys do it. They they were on their home court. They are obviously coming off of a of a win in game one. Um, but I think the Mavericks, speaking to you, talking about the series format with the way it is, you almost have, I mean, I, you know, I'd have to look back at what the history is of going down 0-2 in the 2-3-2 format, but you almost have to get one of those on the road. You got to steal one right. um, to really to really be not even in the driver's seat. It's almost to like get up in the passenger seat mm-hmm. almost. Um, so when that run when the run happened early on in the game, I remember thinking, there's no, like, this isn't over. We're, this is not going to be a blowout. This is Dirk's. At this, and at this time, I think a lot of people thought, and turned out to be true, like, this was Dirk's last chance. It was it was his time. This was the team. Um, obviously, we didn't talk about any of the pre- prior series, but they made fools of the Lakers. They dominated the, the young, talented Thunder. Um, and then I believe it was the Spurs in the in the Western Conference Finals. Um, you could correct me on that. I think might they be played, wrong. I'm pretty sure they played the Thunder in the Finals because I, I was rooting hard, I think, for the Thunder that year just because I liked the moves that they made because they still had Westbrook, Harden, and Durant all on their team. Yeah. I, okay. I remember them lo- losing very convincingly to the Mavericks in the Conference Finals. But anyways. Yeah, but, yeah I think I had the teams right there. I was mixing up just the order. But – and like you said, going like these teams were obviously talented. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Mavericks knew they belonged there and everyone did and everyone knew Dirk was good enough. And at the same time though, LeBron being LeBron on whatever team he goes to, he's going to have a lot of fans. He's going to have fan base that, that believed in him. And I think and that team's always going to have a chance too. Oh, a hundred percent. And Ultimately, you also look back. There's always the, the small things of of the big three making fun of Dirk because he was sick with oh, the yeah. flu that, and yeah. and all of that stuff. And I mean, at that point, you're you're just you're just trying to wake up the tiger. So, like I said, you, I had a feeling that it was not going to be like this. And if anything, it was going to be a close game. Um, and that second half from Dirk was top notch. <laughs> I mean, you talk about uh, a dude just being a dude. Like, and obviously, you got to think of the role players, and they played a 
huge part in this as well. I mean, Jason the Jet, Terry, one of the best six men of the all jet. time. Yep. Um, really, Dirk's partner in crime, I like to say. You have Tyson Chandler, who at the time in what basketball was then was arguably the best center to be paired with Dirk. Um, yeah, grabbed every rebound, blocked every shot, was one of the toughest competitors out there. And then you even got dudes, obviously you got a Sean Stevenson, who the Mavs fans will say the LeBron stopper. I don't know if I would have go that far, but his defense was obviously huge in that game. Um, Jason Kidd, now the Mavs head coach, uh, was the starting point guard for that team. He was always getting the ball in the right position, and he was making threes at a high level, high rate in that series. Um, but because of those guys making shots, it only gave Dirk more opportunity. Um, and to this day, I still get confused on why they guarded one-on-one Chris Bosh with Dirk Nowitzki. But hey, that's, that is what it was, and, and Dirk was going to take advantage of that. Um, then obviously, I mean, I got to end talking about the, one of his most iconic plays of his career um, with, the, with the left-hand scoop layup. Um, a very nice uh, ATO draw up from Rick Carlisle. Uh, was that at the end of the, game two? It was, yeah. Was go ahead. It, yeah. Yep, go ahead, layup with a few seconds left. Um, got Dirk in a spot that he likes. And uh, even though Dirk was known for that jump shot, it was so good. And you had to obviously respect it that he was able to get the angle and, and sneak it by and, and put, in the, put in the game winner. So, like I said, that was – uh, obviously not a game seven, but it was a game seven like feel for the Mavericks at least. Um, and caliber of the like just the caliber of play that Dirk was having was was a big game esque situation. Um, and like I said, he he just took over the game and and he he was doing whatever he needed to to win for for that team. So. That's what he did. That's what he was known for his whole career. Right. And even after that game, I feel like a lot of fans or analysts at the time would have said, oh, no, that's a fluke. Like the Heat got this. And you had pointed to, I don't, was that game three or game four when um, the Miami Big Three were making fun of Dirk being sick? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I want to say it might have made a game three. Okay. I was thinking, I was thinking yeah. the Heat were at home, but it might it was probably it might have been on the road. Yeah, that sounds right. But anyway, um, throughout the whole series, I mean, obviously, he showed a lot of leadership and resilience throughout the finals. For a player like him, how do you think he kept his team focused and motivated, um, especially during those challenging moments? Yeah, I think just from seeing the way Dirk carries himself, obviously in this today's age podcast, I mean, we're literally we're on one right now. It's it's becoming a huge thing. So I listen to a ton of podcasts. Right. Um, of multiple varieties, articles, books, social media has everything. From a lot of things I hear, Dirk really wasn't a very big vocal guy. But as far as leading with action and perfecting his craft, um, I can't go through this podcast without mentioning Holger. Um, who, Is that a shooting coach? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Who, which I say Steve Nash was, or no, sorry. 
I said Jason the Jet Terry was his partner in crime, the true partner in crime of Dirk's life, probably outside of his wife. And uh, for so his basketball partner in crime, I should say, is Holger. Holger had, and you have to look up videos of this to really understand it, but he had Dirk doing some of the craziest things and drills that you've ever seen. But then you look at it, how it translated over to the game and all these off balance shots that Dirk ended up hitting. Um, that that's the reason that Dirk was able to be at that level. Right. So um, I think when you look at Dirk's leadership off the court, it was unmatched um, as far as, when I say off the court, maybe talking like outside of practice time, just putting in the work that's needed to be done. And, and people see that. And people see how good of a player you become, and then that kind of stuff becomes contagious. Um, if I'm being honest, from my point of view, I think a lot of the – not that Dirk wasn't a verbal leader as well, but I think a lot of the other guys had a big role in that as well. Um, maybe doing more of the saying stuff or rip, maybe ripping into teammates or holding them accountable in that regard. Um, whether it was Kid, Tyson, Deshaun, all those guys were known to have pretty big – Loud, loud mouse. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna say Brian Cardinal at all. Was he one of them too? Brian Cardinal, I'm sure. I'm sure he yeah. was the yeah, definitely the, the, the boiler tag the, team the, that the custodian himself, Brian yep. Cardinal. So that's that, that's that's a name. That's a name. Um, but yeah, I think Dirk as a leader, obviously, is 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 high level. But just specifically on the action of of leading and showing what it takes the time it takes um it's right up there with with the best of them i would say yeah definitely and the mavericks end up winning the series 4-2 dirk has his first title he has his finals mvp yeah and audience can't see it but you have a really cool dirk bobblehead there that you're showing off just as we're talking about his first title but yeah, as we're looking back on this for Dirk 2, one other thing important to maybe keep in mind as well, I think when you look back at LeBron's career, if there's one thing that honestly keeps him from being above Jordan, it would be this series. Um, he averaged a little less than 20 points a game, not his typical self. And yeah, it was a series that a lot of people expected them, the Heat, to win. And yeah, give the Mavs, give Dirk the credit that they deserve. Um, I have some thoughts on this next question, but I want to hear your opinion first. How do you think the 2011 NBA championship overall, how do you think it impacted Dirk's legacy? And do you think it served um just this further validation for his hall of fame worthy career i mean the simple answer is yes <laughs> right um he he wouldn't be in and i i take this back i remember me you and your dad when we were on vacation we of course get a lot of our nba talk in and our debates and we made our list of our greatest of all time mm-hmm. um and I say that because if Dirk doesn't win this championship, honestly, I don't think his name even gets brought up in that situation. Um, and I think I, what 
correct me if I'm wrong, it's safe to say the general public probably has Dirk, the, the average fan from, what, 12 to 18 on, on the list. Yeah, I would say generally, this is actually a topic of conversation that I want to get to once you finish your thoughts. But yeah, I would say that is a general safe range to have him at. Yeah. So without this, this ring and this performance overall, um, it, that's a, it's a whole different conversation. I think, uh, side note too, because you brought up LeBron into this and, um, obviously well, well noted to bring him up. Um, mm-hmm. he's worthy of it, but I'll be real with you. And you know, a little bit of this back in the day. And especially then in 2011, when I was just a young, what, 15 year old. Yeah. And, quote unquote, I don't ever really say I hate much because I think it's a strong word. But most yeah, people probably word, yeah. most people probably would have called me a LeBron hater per se in 2011. Um so not only was Dirk obviously in the finals, which I was ecstatic about, there was probably no other player in the time at the time that I would want Dirk to beat. So it was one of the greatest feelings and when you say that, that it kind of is the one thing that might hurt his legacy to be number two and to not get over the hump, maybe unanimously. It does make me feel a little good inside that. Uh, just to be reminded that Dirk was a was a huge part of that, and and just probably shouldn't have made fun of of Dirk and his sickness because it kind of backfired on him in the end. So yeah. Karma County um, came back definitely. It does. It does. I think just a couple of tidbits too. I think. And this, these might be a couple uh, stats that are a little outdated, so there might be a little update. But at the time, what it was at least by in 2019, 2020, I think Dirk was one of four players uh, to average 25 and 10 in the playoffs for his career, um, mm. which that's that alone is is pretty impressive. Like I said, there might be um, I would have to imagine maybe Giannis and Jokic are are close to that as long as they probably Embiid too. Yeah, as long as they've reached like the games played, but I, I obviously they've both been to finals. Well, not Embiid, but Jokic and Giannis. So I'm sure they have. Um, and another thing is, and I don't think him staying with the Mavericks um, really made a difference on his Hall of Fame legacy. Like winning this, no matter what team he was on, would have done it. But um, Dirk being part of the 15-year loyalty club, there's only six, I believe there's so only six people in this category mm-hmm. that have been with one team, their whole only one team, their whole career, 15 plus years, and to win a title. Um it just shows the loyalty he had to to the team. And I think it uh especially if you look at the NBA now, like I think it's just one of the coolest things ever that he decided to stay with them because you just don't see that anymore. Um you you hope to see that from my perspective, because I just think, like I said, I think loyalty matters. I think it shows that you enjoy the people around you. You enjoy the team that ultimately believed in you and brought you into the league. Um, right. But it, uh, it it just is a cool side side note to the whole thing. Obviously, Dirk, too, six all-time in scoring. Um, he He had the stats – all that to be said, he had the stats to have a Hall of Fame level career. But we all know that the first thing you talk about when you talk about the all-time greats, how many rings do they have? Or and any. then you 
Yeah, yeah, if you have any. And and being in the zero category, probably for most people just gets you not talked about. Right. So, so this is so, actually, this is the point I kind of wanted to get to. And I love what you had to share about Dirk as well with him just being in that rare company of being loyal to a team for a while, staying through the highs, the lows, and eventually getting over the mountaintop and winning that title. But what I kind of wanted to get to and maybe get your thoughts on as well, I was just looking through with um, ESPN a couple years ago had released um, their ranking of the NBA 75th anniversary team. So this would have been the top 75 players, I believe, in um, the NBA's 75-year history. I don't think when this list was made, I think they just picked 75, but ESPN had went ahead and ranked all of them. But when I was looking through this, it was interesting. I'm looking at the players on here. You have Dirk on this list at um, 17. Um, Here are a few notable players, maybe around his time, that were below him. And here's why I think this championship matters a lot. So you have Kevin Garnett, you have Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton, David Robinson, um, you have Isaiah Thomas as well. Um, here's some other ones on here. You have Alan, we'll throw Allen Iverson in there as well. But I'm thinking, honestly, he doesn't win this title. You mentioned all of these stats, and obviously, like, no slouch scoring that many points throughout your career. But without this title, he probably goes from 17. I'd say, like, you could argue he'd probably be maybe borderline top 30. Like, you can make yeah. the case for that. And I think it this title not only validates what he's done before, but it puts him in a new rare category that it's going to be hard and difficult to move him in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I believe I agree with everything that you said. Um, I mean, ultimately, the goal is to win. And right. at the end of the day, you you want to be the one team that won their last game. Um, and well, I should say won their last game in the playoffs. Um, and with that ring, it validated everything. I mean, if you remember the emotion that Dirk had when they were about to win in Miami, um, when it was happening, he ran back to the locker room before the buzzer even went off. He he didn't want to show his emotion in front of everyone. And mm-hmm. there were PR people and his closest people to him that were following him, whether it was reporters or family friends that were telling him like, hey man, you you gotta get out here. This is this is something that you'll never forget. You want you're gonna want to look back and show your kids these pictures of you with this trophy and 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 you want to be with your team, so on and so forth. Like right. that just that encap- encapsulates how important and he knew it. Dirk knew it. He and he ultimately also knew, like I said earlier, that this was gonna be probably his last true chance with the players that they had on expiring contracts. Um another side note, in twenty eleven, they were also the oldest team in the playoffs of all sixteen. So they right, had yeah. 
they had the experience it was all set up and dirk knew what it meant man he he knew he needed this to be in the company he wanted to be in and to to, to gain the true respect that um that he has because like you said if he doesn't have this then he's even more underrated than he probably already is and like right. i said maybe maybe my bias is a little bit still but i still think he is somewhat underrated to the general public and what he did and i, and I try to obviously when I, when I do these things just to give you like a tidbit on my list of all-time players i have dirk at 14 which is Fair, yeah which is probably like like you said the, the espn has him at 17 so it's probably not that far off but um he he was that good though i mean that it's obviously you can say that for a lot of players but just the way that that he continued to go and honestly just refused to lose and especially that game too that was kind of in my opinion just the momentum and the turning point of the whole series um because at that point then you had a feeling they were going to take care of business at home and then you just had to get had to get another one on the road so i uh I think it obviously solidified him in the top, like we said, 15, 16, 17 of all time. And then now, honestly, the, the, all the stats and everything, that's just sprinkles. And that just adds, adds to the legacy that he's created for himself. Yep. Just icing on the cake for him. So as we're winding things down, um, just kind of a couple last questions. We get to the later stages of, Dirk's career um, doesn't win anymore, retires. But I look back um, maybe just years after and just kind of maybe later stages of his career and even, yeah, just a little bit after too. How do you think like Dirk's just general influence like just led to the wave of like international players entering the NBA. And if you had to pick, I don't know if you have a couple names off the top of your head, who do you think is like most similar to him as far as like playing style or impact right now? No, that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Um, I will have to, as I talk here, I'll think of a couple uh, names, but as far as the impact goes, you can, it's, I think it's obvious the impact that he had. I think you look at, the way Europeans play, how most of them um, try to model their game. Like, it's hard to find a European these days that doesn't come over and that can't shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at least that's how it feels. Um, I think we're referencing back to the podcast that I've listened to before. Um, this specific podcast was just a segment, a whole podcast on Dirk, basically just about his whole career, different segments, and they have a segment of, is he a one of one? And I think this was in 2018 or 19 when this was um, released. Okay. But at the time, it was a no doubter that he that he was a one of one, and this is encapsulating everything. Um, basically, though, being seven foot tall, being able to shoot the ball the way he does. Mm-hmm. He has one of the top five most iconic um, shots in NBA history. It's up there with the with the skyhook. It's up there with uh, Hakeem Shemi. It's up there with AI's crossover. That that one legged fade away. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That one legged fade away. I mean, Dirk 
created that. He he made that a thing, and it'll forever be be his shot. But obviously now you see a lot. I mean, Joel Embiid used it a ton. Um, now you're seeing top scorers obviously uh, using it in their in their normal repertoire of play. But back to my point, he was a one of one then. I think it's hard because the player you think of, or maybe you didn't, but Kevin Durant is seven foot tall and mm-hmm. shoots the ball extremely well, can obviously score at all three levels. Um, and honestly, obviously with Durant, you add a level of dribbling ability. Uh, that, and no offense to Dirk, but I would just say athleticism as well. Oh yeah, no, for sure. D- definitely. So is he a one-on-one still? It's probably a no, but outside of KD, I don't know if there's another name. There's some potentials, but I don't know if there's another name that is right now in that same sphere, per se. I could be wrong, but just with the way he was, he was just such a unique player um, that, that, like I said, had had the ability to to score on anyone. It was being that being that big and maybe not athletic, but agile. Um, and just to get it, to get a shot off was, was just very, mm-hmm. very impressive and, and unique and, and hard to see. If I had a couple of players, you said what, that maybe resembled his game the most or. Yeah. If you had to think of a couple today. I mean, the name that I think of, because I think he had the potential to be similar as Porz- Porzingis, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think now Porzingis is obviously with the move to the Celtics, especially has kind of moved into that third, maybe even fourth guy on a team. Night. Yeah, that's true. I guess you're looking at Horford, Drew Holiday. Yeah. Um, so he was a guy that I really liked coming out, and I, I do still like his game, but it's obviously changed some. Um, right. I'm trying to think from a pure scoring ability. I mean, obviously, I think Jokic. He's just even more. You could argue he might even be more unique <laughs> than Dirk, but mm-hmm. but he he obviously is the say that size. He can score it, but he resembles him in a fact that he is not the most athletic. He's not the quickest, um, but he's able to get his shot off. And then obviously, you just add the whole different element of playmaking. Right. Um, uh, with him and and that changes things i th- i think those two would be the two that come to the top of my mind I'd, I'd like to be i'm curious to see who you maybe see in that realm currently or, or possibly no i would i would agree with you somewhat on Jokic. my only thing with him would be and you had touched on this a little bit with dirk no offense to Jokic. he's got his title he's got his mvps agile he does enough but you know i don't i don't know if he has i don't know why i'm discrediting him but it's just more of a i think of dirk and like his one legged fadeaway like Jokic is obviously like good enough to score on his own inside or outside but i don't know i'm just thinking of comparing those two things and i'm like i could see maybe a little bit of difference there I'd honestly say more like Kevin Durant and I'd even say like Kevin Durant has adopted in the past, some of Dirk's moves, including that like one legged fadeaway. So 
I would say more like that, but obviously Durant's on another level athletically, but I mean, Dirk's influence obviously can't be missed with a lot of the newer players um, in the league, whether American or foreign as well. But yeah, kind of just to wrap up the podcast, Eric, um, I thought it might be helpful just for the audience maybe to hear briefly um, just about your overall basketball experience over the years and just how maybe that impacted um, Dirk being your favorite player. Yeah, I mean, I think I started off by saying thank you to Stephen Bowen, my dad, for putting shout me out in front Steve. of the team. Yeah, definitely. We'll have shout to get out him Steve. on here sometime. Oh, absolutely. As long as he can hear you, he'll be something good to get. Yep. <laughs> um, no, but for obviously just introducing me to the game of basketball and, and putting me uh, in front of the TV and, and showing me Dirk, I think. When I was younger, I enjoyed Dirk because he was obviously scoring the ball a lot. He was able to shoot threes. Um, and when I think when I was younger, I think I thought he kind of looked like me, but that might have been more just my my young my young mind. Um, did, did you have that haircut too? The the bowl cut. Yeah, I, I I went through some phases. I didn't have okay. really a true true bowl cut, but there was definitely some some phases where it wasn't it wasn't very good. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Why why you thought you guys looked similar. Um, But yeah. And then to kind of take it back to when obviously I got older and understood more, I think the loyalty is the biggest thing Mm -hmm. that, that sticks out to me and not to make this sentimental at all, but Dirk was in my vows to, to your sister. I don't know if you remember that, but when, when I gave my vows, Dirk had made an appearance. Um, and I essentially was just giving the, uh, alliteration that Dirk to Dallas was Sarah to me and very crucial, very crucial part, obviously to, um, I mean, Dirk is, Right, right now, definitely. Even with Luca and his greatness, Dirk is the is the face of the Mavericks. He's the greatest Maverick of all time. Mm-hmm. And if you're older than what 13, 14 years old, you know it's not even a question that Dirk uh, is the face and and is the reason that the Mavs are who they are today. Um, and at the time, obviously, I was just making sure. Obviously, I was wanting some laughs, but I was making sure that Sarah understood that that was the level that she that she was going to get from me as well, and how crucial she was going to be to to our uh, our family as well. So, yeah, I think just outside of the basketball, loyalty would be the biggest thing, and I think that's something that I'd try and stand on to this day. And and to this day in the NBA, like I said, I I want players to stay longer with their teams and. I know it's becoming less common just with super teams and and money and a million different things, but I uh, I appreciate the Giannis's and the Jokic's and and even the Lucas to this point that are staying with them, and I hope they I hope they continue that because they'll definitely go up my list of of favorite players and uh, can hopefully bring well two of them already have uh, brought that 
championship to their franchise. So, um, yeah, I think that's a short version of why he is. And I can say this with much confidence forever probably will be my, my favorite NBA player. No, that's, that's fair. That's, that's really good to hear. Definitely one of a kind. This was a really helpful, um, conversation, Eric, just as I have had time myself to kind of just research and learn more about Dirk's career. Yeah, just kind of in summary, he not only has that iconic shot, but also he's in a very rare company of being loyal to one team his entire career and eventually getting the job done and winning a title for the team that meant so much for him um, for his career. You definitely don't see that a lot in the NBA, one player staying with their whole team. Um, now, and even looking back at his career earlier, he had a lot of struggles. He learned from them, and he finally got got to the top of the mountain and figured it out and definitely changed his spot just in the trajectory of just the all-time greats. It definitely did. But, yeah, thanks for being on the show, Eric. This was a great discussion. Um, yeah. Thanks again Thank for sharing everything you had to share. Thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. I love you, man. Glad to glad to be on uh, this illustrious podcast. Yep. First guest and hopefully not your last appearance. <laughs>